We're going to start in three, two. <clears throat> da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. We are live and we are together for our Star Wars Marathon 2015. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we are. Richard's never been this excited. I've never in my life. life. <laughs> How many hours have you spent preparing for this, Richard? Uh, somewhere between zero and 20. <laughs> you picked the number. <laughs> Richard, more excited for this or Mavs 2011? That's got to be your two wow. most important yeah. dates in life. Mm, this. No, I am excited for this. I like Star Wars. It was. I did spend some time revisiting uh, the franchise this week, and uh, it's Spoiler alert, not bad. <laughs> Another spoiler alert, pretty bad in some areas. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to speak about it with you guys. We have teased this episode or series yeah. of episodes We've got for a lot years. of emails and tweets, too, this week of people asking us for thoughts on this franchise beyond, mm-hmm. you know, the hours and hours that we've already poured into it. And I, I responded to each one. Just wait. Next couple of weeks, we'll get many, many episodes on this. That's the goal. That is the goal. And we're going to record them right now. I'm surprised you've committed to the whole marathon, Richard. And you're not just like, yeah, I'll pop in for one or two. <laughs> yeah. Maybe when he, what time are you guys ending? Six o'clock? Okay, I'll be there at five, around five. I can get there at five. I got my whole day. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, don't I thought think, about it. I don't think you're – I didn't think you would be uh, even it, down to of course. participate. This well, it's a, mostly about spending time with you guys. You haven't been on any of our previous – I haven't. Star Wars I don't do episodes. trailer talk except for the Now You See Me episode – in his contract. No, I do. I'm. I'm. I underplay my excitement for this film upcoming. Yeah. Talking about uh, Force Awakens, but I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to talk Star Wars. Underplaying your excitement for Force Awakens, which means you're more excited than you've been letting on. This. I am. I'm yeah. saying I let you guys kind of hold down the yeah. Star Wars corner. But I. Th- yeah. This is not to say I'm not. Of the three people in this room, you I'm are the, the least likely to get a Star Wars tattoo at some point in your life. I would say. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> but that's not saying too much. Right. I don't think I would ever do that. I think so. Kit and I are super Star Wars nerds, and you're just Star Wars fan, and that's fine. That's good. There's a place for all of us. That's right. It's all life is a spectrum. I'm not, I don't even know if you're a fan though. That's the. My Why question. are you looking at me like I'm I don't not know? A fan. I'm just skeptical. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this six hours we're about to experience. <laughs> I'm not going to have some, a whole lot. Of I want deep some Star thoughts. Wars hot takes from Richard. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know that when Mark Hamill gets out of the um, Tie Fighter, I thought you were going to say Carbonite. It's like already strike one. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says Carrie instead of Leia. Yes. A little Easter egg for you right. guys. That's all I know. That's the extent of my Star Wars yeah. knowledge. I did do a extra. I don't know if I talked about this in the podcast. Can't you might remember this? Um, when when we were in high school, they uh, don't remember it already. Yeah, <laughs> they had this thing called lit meat, and yeah. lit meat was an academic meat, um, L- literary meat. But they call it lit meat because that's cooler. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hashtag lit meat. Hashtag lit meat. <laughs> and uh, hashtag get lit. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we, uh, you would go to uh, sparkling Abilene, Texas, and compete against other schools in a variety of events. And these events were everything from like math to um, poetry reading to duet acting and whatever. And I always did like duet acting and something called humorous interp, which is basically just reciting someone else's uh, humorous speech. But one year on the bus on the way there, they said you need to do extemporaneous speaking. Somebody's sick and cannot do it. And so 
uh, I said, okay, what is that? And they said, well, it's, <laughs> it's uh, you have 30 minutes. They give you a topic. You have 30 minutes to write a speech on it. And then you have to give a four-minute speech or something like that. And I said, oh, right, yeah, okay, right. cool. So we get into the um, – and I'm very – if people don't know uh, this about me, I'm like a crazy news junkie, journalism nerd, all this stuff. And I always have been. So I'm like, yeah, this is fine. I'll do this. I don't know why I'm not doing this already. So I go into the prompt room. And they they start assigning the topics all the different kids in the room, and it's super. And you have to like then they give you all these magazines and you source something and you write something. So one of the they start giving the questions and they say, "Who is Saddam Hussein?" Okay, they have another go. Who is Tony Blair? And they get to me and they start talking about some arms treaty between two Middle Eastern <laughs> nations and how that's going to affect like France. And I was like, "And here's a copy of Time. See you in thirty minutes." And I was like, okay, this is not going to happen. I don't know anything about this. I'm sorry. And so, and so I just devised this plan and I go into the, um, they go, okay, you're up. And I go into the room and there's like four judges and I just start talking, <laughs> talking about how it reminds me of the time Han Solo was frozen in carbonite. <laughs> and I just do three minutes on Star Wars and I don't know why. I just thought it was hilarious. Completely yeah. just like, I don't know anything about this, but it kind of reminds me of, and I do this whole thing on Empire Strikes Back. And Jedi, and then uh, I leave the room, and I'm like telling everyone, and we're laughing. So then the next day, you go down to this other room to get your results, and there was like 15 kids in my group, and I got like eighth. (laughs) And I started thinking, like, what would be the funniest way that this happened? Maybe um, there was seven other kids that were terrible. Uh, Maybe I just kind of averaged in the judge. But I like to think that three of the judges were like, that was idiotic that was right. the dumbest thing i ever heard and then one guy like it clicked with him and yeah. he was like that's exactly what yes. that's like it's exactly like console frozen this carbon. kid's brilliant <laughs> and yeah. just put me in first place and it just weighted my average way up i don't know but there's my star wars story that's your extent of uh knowledge of star wars or yeah i knew more about star wars then so i, I was able to kind of pad it with more information than yeah. just frozen and carbonite but the central thesis was that he was in fact frozen nice. and carbonite much like arms are in saudi arabia right. There's got to be, when you're judging that sort of thing, there's got to be a little bit of a relief when somebody does start going on some kind of crazy tangent because you're just like, oh, thank God, these kids aren't, all these kids suck, and this guy at least is saying yeah, something Yeah, original. he's at least yeah. doing something like, creative I used to, here. I had a history teacher for two years in high school, and we did a, like a, an essay, a, a test with an essay every single Friday, Yeah, and at some point, he just, he basically said to us, like, look, guys, I had six classes yeah. Every single one of you guys takes this test on Friday. Do you really think I have time to sit and read every single No, of course I don't. Write a good introduction. Write a good conclusion. Have something of yeah. substance in the middle. And so I would just, every time, I would just try to write something. I basically use it as, like, creative writing. Mm-hmm. I would start with two great sentences on whatever the subject is and then just bull crap the rest of it with... Star Wars and ticket jargon because he was a big P one and I you know knew that so I would just fill it with ticket references and all this and every single time A plus or whatever the you know the grade was my, he, and he loved it he my, was just like thank you for giving me a break yeah like, my friend Chase and Kent's cousin Chase when we took the AP government e contest on the essay they gave us some essay something that our teacher did not at all prepare us for and so Chase just drew a picture of a sad clown like juggling who had just <laughs> dropped one of his things and he was crying and he got whatever it is that grade you like one through four yeah. on the thing yeah. he got like a two 
We're this, has been, uh, this has been Lit Meat been, Talk. Yeah. 2015. We'll hey, see you next time. We're going six hours today, more and more. Wait, so there's we, plenty of gonna, plenty gonna to get to. some filler, but that's what we like. That's what you guys like about this, I think. The listener likes our witty banter. Well, we are, just bantering. I, like I said, finally arrived here. We do have six hours to get to. We're going to try to do an hour on each movie. We're live from Star Wars Studios, which is Star Wars Studios. <laughs> it, it's actually written into our contract. We didn't know this. Uh, to be the official podcast of Star Wars, have to do Star Wars podcasts. Okay. Who would have thought? <laughs> That's weird. Have to do yeah. episodes on Star Wars. Can't just uh, talk about it 47,000 times an episode. We we have accomplished that feat. Now we have to dedicate some, <laughs> some time. But no, we're going to be releasing these over the next few weeks leading up to the new Star Wars movie. Uh, we feel like we've talked about it so many random times and so many different conversations that it's, I guess, it's time to concise our thoughts and as much as we can into an hour each for each film. Sure. And we're going to have various guests coming in and out. If we stop in the middle of an episode and have guests come in and out, that's just uh, yeah. What's just what happens because we've scheduled them throughout the day and we're not going to really stop the conversation for many guests. So we're going to try and shuffle them in and out while we're live and it's going to be a good time and much fun. It's Think of this as a six-hour talk show. With yes. no breaks. <laughs> Except for we're not releasing it as a six. We should do an uncut version. Uh, yeah, put that on the on the YouTube. Anyone who's willing to sit there for six hours and listen to us is, right. needs help anyway. So right. contact 1-800. <laughs> uh, and we advertise that on the show. Like right. when you see gambling <laughs> anonymous things yeah, at help. the blackjack table. Yeah. Like, do you need help? You need help. If you're still listening, call 1-800. <laughs> you need help. Um, okay. So what we're going to do here is we're going to start it off with the original, okay. the seed of the idea, the what started this all, I guess, A New Hope, as it has been called now. I or, refer I to it, Phantom Menace as the original, but okay. <laughs> I call it Star Wars. Right. That's what I like to prefer it yeah. uh, to be called, Star Wars. Yeah. I only the call Star it Wars. A New Hope when in this context when we're having to differentiate between different episodes. And even that. then it's annoying. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't like how any of them are named and titled and doesn't really flow. So you, you think it should be just Star Wars 4, Star Wars 5? It's just like Star the Wars. Planet of the Apes thing with the uh, revenge. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the rise coming right. rise before of the, the dawn. dawn of the you know, of the, the dawn Apes, is, right. is after the rise? What yeah. is that? They should punt it more like um, Fast and Furious to be like Furious Wars <laughs> 8. <laughs> Good one. Thanks. <laughs> Got him. I wonder if when A New Hope came along, I wonder the origin of that title. Do you know, Brian, Star Wars um, trivia nerd? I don't think – I mean, I know it was on some of those original posters, but I don't think anybody called it A New Hope. It was Yeah, Star you Wars. don't know the origin of that, like why they so. went back Not in? Off the top of my head, no. I should have watched all the special features on the – I noticed set. you have no notes this evening. You're the only one without a computer or notes, and so I'm going to trust you right now, Brian. My whole brain. Go. This is like Lead the episode on uh, Star Wars Episode Four: <laughs> New Hope. His brain Where should we begin? There's nowhere really to start. I guess we can start at the beginning of the movie. That's kind of cliche, but right. what, uh, what well, are you feeling? Yeah, uh, this is – Star Wars is my – this is my favorite movie of all time, and I, I consider – This one, not the series. Well, I kind of – you know how – when we did our top ten episodes – Trilogies and franchises and stuff, I tend to kind of group them together if they all flow together. Um, so episodes four through six are kind of one big movie in my brain. Um, but this is the one that, you know, this is the one that started it all, obviously. And uh, so much of my pop cultural time has been uh, devoted to this, has been devoted to Star Wars. And it all started with, with, uh, with the new, with episode four, as weird as that may 
sound if you don't know <laughs> how it all flows together. Uh, so if you're not a Star Wars fan, should we talk about that? They shot four through six in right. the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And then one through three... 99 through 2005 or something like that? They shot... Yeah, so, they were released there we go. 99 through Enough to Right. Done. Yeah. So this Knock was... that out. This was the first one, and it's the, the one that I think most people... I think Return of the Jedi is probably my favorite one, because that was... That was my favorite as a kid. Adorable Ewoks. Exactly. I loved Ewoks as a kid, but we'll talk. We'll talk Return of the Jedi in a bit. But, but uh, you know, whenever we talk best, mo- or excuse me, best TV shows of all time, Sopranos for me gets the vote because it's the first one to really break that great TV barrier. And so, without A New Hope, there is no Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi or any of the other stuff that's come. And uh, I can vibe with that. I always make that argument when it comes to Bob Dylan. Sure. Or the Beatles or stuff. People are always like, yeah, this band's better. Like, it might be easier to listen to now, but you have to understand that person got to listen to Bob Dylan growing up. Right. Bob Dylan didn't have that luxury. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So this one kind of set the tone for not just for this franchise, but for movies in general. This this changed the way the movies are made. And uh, if you hate blockbusters and that kind of summer release sort of uh, filmmaking, then you have Star Wars to blame for that because it's, it's Star Wars and Jaws are the two things that – um, set the tone for every blockbuster since then, basically. Yeah, that's interesting, though. It's just the whole story about how it started, how it came to be, how George Lucas spent all this time researching, like, ancient tales and Joseph Campbell right. novels and all the yep. all the uh, typical Greek mythology and classic stories that we've mm-hmm. come to know and love. Like, he, right. he would study, like, what made them so classic – why do we identify with these characters so well? Things right. like that. And how he, he sort of, I guess, tried to reinvent that for a new age or tell a new story. Right. Through the through the context, which at the time, it's kind of funny because Star Trek was already a thing. Mm-hmm. And to right. do Star Wars, is everyone was probably like, dude, right. we, we just did this. Well, but <laughs> you know? part of it is, too, that, that sci-fi was considered a... Like such an bastard stepchild kind of uh, set because the sci-fi writers were not respected sci-fi movies and the space movie thing had kind of already come and gone. Star Trek was a bust on TV. It was only on for three years and the movies hadn't really kicked off. I can't remember when the first Star Trek movie came out, but I think it was post Star Wars. Anyway, it was bad. Seventy nine, I think. Maybe I think that's right. I think Wrath of Khan is eighty, and that was maybe eighty one, and that was the first good one. Star, Star Wars, Trek, the motion, the motion picture. Motion picture, yeah. 1979. Okay, so it came after Star Wars. Rathacon, so, 82. Um, so this is the, you know, it, it was, you're, you're right. He, he took very familiar and simple um, story outline, basically, and put it into space. Yeah. And it's funny because everyone at the time, I mean, I wasn't there in 77 when... Stars was released, <laughs> but everyone at the time was like, "This is so new and fresh. Like, why do we like yeah. this so much?" And yeah. they didn't realize that it was all this stuff that they had grown up loving, and right. that was just th- right. being thrown at him just in a different yeah. way. He's very, he was very smart on that front to mm-hmm. identify. Here's the three things that we are looking for when we read a story or see a movie or whatever. Now, how can we, how can I put that into this? And set? it shows. It worked for him then because he is such – I think Lucas is much more an engineer than he is a creative. Yes. And like him figuring out the data of this is what people like, I will give them this thing, is like so perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Now later on when things got a little more complex and we kind of were a little more self-aware and postmodern, mm-hmm. you can see why he never can make another right. great movie again. Right. 
But it's such a Lucas way of doing things and such a technical – he's such a technician mm-hmm. um, that uh, it's kind of perfect. Yeah, to, to set out to try to do this with the little experience that he even had at the time making movies, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even know. Damien Chazelle, a guy like that. Oh, you got a lot of buzz off like Whiplash, right. you know, one of your first movies. All right, well, you're going to make the, the biggest space opera of all time right. next. Yeah. It's kind of right. a weird – Thing. Uh, American true. Graffiti, totally different kind right. of really great film. Kind of similar um, in the fact that, that ages it's about, really well. It's mm-hmm. about kind of outlaws of their time, mm-hmm. and, right? And uh, it's got similar elements with the racing and all that, but a uh, very different type of thing. But sure. I think Star Wars is his is his baby. Yeah. And um, yeah. how <laughs> it's it's just so funny because I mean here we are doing these episodes and. Uh, we sometimes we feel like we know more than George Lucas knows about Star Wars. <laughs> like like no, it's wrong. It's supposed to be like this. Right. No, and all this and it's just funny to say that because it's his creation. It's all yeah. his like dream or brainchild basically. Sure. And for now now knowing what we know now that Star Wars is not in his hands anymore and JJ Abrams is all this it, so it's going to be possible to say that JJ Abrams knew more about Star Wars than George Lucas did. Who created the the darn mm-hmm. thing? Which is what it's just funny what it's become it, over the past. It's an interesting dynamic because <laughs> I've written about this before, and maybe I'll send a link over and we can post it on the on the uh, Mad About Movies website. But when the Blu-rays got released, I wrote on my blog an open letter to George Lucas, and one of the things I talked about was um, did he read it? <laughs> yeah, just got great response. Uh, he sued me, but still in litigation. Um, but the thing is, it, it, yes, you're right. Like, it is his. <laughs> yeah. oh, that was very funny. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's his, but um, Star Wars is one of the few things that is so globally embraced that there is an ownership by us, by the right. fans. Like, that's part of it, because otherwise you would have just this movie that we're talking about here. You would have just... A new well, hope. to go back to music the way again, that it's, it's embraced. It's made it what exactly. It, what I mean, it is. you look at something like the Beatles or the Stones, like listening to old like Little Richard and Chuck Berry records. Right. Those guys invented rock and roll, but I would say that John and Paul probably understood rock better than them, sure. or what it could be. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, and uh, and so sometimes that and Chad uh, Kroger and Chad Kroger, <laughs> and that's when it I guess finally it's kind of the context of taking somebody's song and covering it, and and it being a bigger hit than when you did it. Yeah, like exactly. You understand yeah. it a little bit better yeah. than yeah. Uh, that's like, that's that's a good analogy, and hopefully JJ lives up to that hype. I know we're not talking Force Awakens here, but it's going to come up several times. Sure, the bar was set high with these original films, mm-hmm. and yeah. the last time, the most recent time I revisited them for this uh, series of episodes, it just reinforced that how special those original movies are. Right. And they're very good. There are moments of the prequel trilogy, which we'll get to here in a few hours uh, right. in depth, but there are moments of the prequel trilogy where I'm like. Man, this is cool. This is good Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. But it still didn't feel like the original trilogy. Right. Even when it was Lucas and it was the original people involved and 30 years later and the same characters that I've grown to know and love, it just didn't feel like Star Wars. And so I'm just worried that I'll, I'll know that this is not original Star Wars. Like, yeah. it'll trick me into thinking it is. I hope it tricks me for the whole movie, but there are going to be moments where I'm like, this is, a, so, this, is, this is new, and, it, and it's kind of weird. Lucas you know? only directed one, two, three, and four, right? You only directed one, one, and they're all one, prequels. Two, three, yeah, one, two, three, and four. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So one, two, three, and four. Five and six yeah. were uh, Kasdan. Yeah. Or, um, no, I'm looking uh, Kirshner. Yeah. So yeah. this is the only good George Lucas Star Wars film that he directed. Yes. Pretty <laughs> it's much, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we can talk about that later. I, I think there are 
good moments than others. There are. I just his mean, his, his hand was film. so deep into this, the entire sure. the entire six. Even if he when he wasn't directing, the, and as a writer he, and producer, he obviously had a huge impact he was on a, the other ones. Yeah, he was the the leader of. The, you guys know more about Star Wars. Why didn't he direct uh, five and six? Um, for five, it was because Kirshner is, he had a great voice, but a big part of it is because they were also doing, um, Indiana Jones at the same time. Uh. And so there was some crossover between that. Cause what happened was the, they thought Lucas especially thought this movie, a new hope was going to be a bust. And so instead of going to the premiere and doing all that stuff, he took off to Hawaii with Spielberg just to like lay low mm-hmm. and sit it out basically. And that's where they started. That's where they came up with Raiders of the Lost Ark gotcha. on their vacation. And so, um, I think that was part of it. And I think part of it was he wasn't as he wasn't happy with the results. I don't think yeah, as much as he wanted to be. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, I think it was part. I'm going to go create some technology to do some kind of like what James Cameron did. Um, in part, I don't think he had a. I don't think he had the control, and B. I don't think he had. I don't like to refer to him as egotistical because I really don't think that's the problem with Lucas. But I don't think he was quite as I have to have total control at that point. And he trusted Kirshner and um, okay. Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote two. There, it, it's plays. it's come out in the past few weeks. Uh, Ron Howard actually talked about it because he's doing press for In the Heart of the Sea. Mm-hmm. He talked about Star Wars yeah. and his relationship with George. I yeah. forgot, by the way, Richard uh, Marquand directed Return of the Jedi, right. not Kirshner. So Ron Howard said that George offered him to direct the prequels and also offered it to Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis, and they all three turned it down and said, mm-hmm. we're not going to – no one can follow you, George. This is your thing, you know. And imagine what the prequels could have been had Ron yeah. Howard been, <laughs> yeah. maybe. I, feel, I still think there would have been an What element. if he narrated them? I still think there would have been a, uh, that would have been as as uh, the Bluth yeah uh, narrator and then Jar Jar <laughs> Jar Jar riding the Segway we uh, I just I, I'm sure there would have would have still been an, an aura of this is George's thing I'm not going to yeah. you know inject interject my opinion as right. much as I would want but maybe yeah. stylistically it would have been more appealing or not so yeah rigid there's a lot to say on on the pre- I, I think. I think the prequels would have been hamstrung by scripting, no matter what. Exactly. Let's, we can talk that later, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So this was not supposed to be a huge hit. It wasn't expected to be a huge hit. Um, and even Lucas, again, he he left. He 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 fled the scene basically. And then they started getting reports of this is a huge hit. This is going so well. We're adding showings on a constant basis. There's lines around the block across the country, basically, and that I, that took everybody by surprise. I w- I wonder why it took. Them, the studio, everybody by so much surprise because didn't they see the movie? It's a great movie. They did, <laughs> and some of the some of the cast said the same thing of like this is great. But a lot of the cast, you know, Alec Guinness, the guy who played uh, Obi Wan, didn't like yeah. didn't like the movies until later on, and kind of recognized the the genius. But um, they most people, at least until they saw a finished cut, kind of thought they were on a sinking ship that it was not going to go well, and um, and then the. It just and it, but a big part of it was space. People didn't care about space yeah. during that time, or not enough people anyway. It was a it was a niche crowd, not a mass audience. And then all of a sudden, word of mouth starts hitting, and there's not enough prints to go around. And um, it was a you know just a huge, huge, huge hit. I guess we should talk about the opening scene. Just started off right at the beginning here. 
uh, opening title crawl, mm-hmm. the standard Star Wars title crawl. Um, how much importance do we put in the title crawl for our experience watching the movie? I, it was a, It's a big part for me, and every time I watch Star Wars, even the prequels, it gets me psyched every time. It's it's like I said, it's something that's been borrowed. It was I think it was Flash Gordon that he borrowed the mm-hmm. original idea right. from. But uh, you know, something we've seen before but also seems very new. Like I said, it's very innovative and kind mm-hmm. of throw a throwback to and you know, he took a penalty back in the day because it was right. illegal to not put opening credits. The MPAA required that and he was just like, I'll pay the penalty. Right. To not have that, and it just you know opens like it does, and it's of course legendary and epic and all that. And it's funny because they've, I'm sure on YouTube you can find stuff, but there are cuts of like different music with the opening, how much how much different it makes, and all yeah. that, and with no music and the all. Score is and the score is huge. The score yeah. is just so huge. Yeah, and it's massive. I wonder what George thought the first time he saw the opening with the score and everything. I yeah. bet he was just elated. Yeah. I mean. A lot of this wasn't up to him, like how well it came together, and just it's just like hiring the right people and like sure. oh my yep. oh my gosh, yep. like Ben Burt, the sound designer who yep. did all the droid noises and things like that that just weren't George, but you know he knew I guess who to find for that's these a skill types of thing. That's yeah. a huge totally. skill set. Yeah, and um, so once again, epic, and of course the Star Destroyer coming overhead, epic, and it's been called the most genius shot or scene in movie history or the most important uh, shot in movie history. Sure. And you're talking about the now you see me shot with the GPS? (laughs) Yeah. That's I just came out of my mouth. Why do you have to repeat it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's incredible. 360 on that. The shot of the Star Destroyer chasing the rebel ship is so genius. I'm convinced that George actively fought against putting in the movie. <laughs> you know. It is a great scene. And you, when you follow that, the, the exposition that those, the letters give you, uh, right off the top, cause that sets the tone so well. And then you get that star destroyer over a planet and it, it kind of gives you the, Oh wow. Like the scale and the scope of what we're about to see has not really been, it, it immediately puts you in that world. I think in a way that, it can be lost quite easily if you if you skip those two you know those things if you if you're having to add in all this exposition that you get from the crawl at the beginning and uh and then lose some of that the hugeness of that scale um that changes the dynamic of the movie a lot i think i think so too and we start off with the droids we follow the droids mainly through this entire trilogy uh the first four or the first three movies, starting with episode four. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a little unusual, considering they're not really... Right. They don't really have any... I guess they have a, a difference on what happens, but they sort of experiencing this, and we're kind of reacting with the droids as yes. to what happens. They're kind yes. of just right on for the ride, or along for the ride the entire time. Right. That's very, I think, Shakespearean almost of... Uh, <laughs> nice Hamlet sweater here that Richard's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you're you Hamlet.com. 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 Um, I want to get a small one of those small micro mini pigs just so I can name him Hamlet. On my life goals. Anyway, work that out. Um, continue. But you are the, the droids kind of serve as the narrator and the comedic relief, and they are what you say. They're they're the audience, the personification of the audience in in the show in the movie because right. uh you know they're they're kind of at the mercy of where mm. the plot moves and that's us as well so i think 
you're spot on. Like I think they're I think the droids are supposed to be us in addition to being kind of narrators and and um, comedic relief. I do walk like that, so <laughs> yes, you do kind of good pod me joke for me. Physical video. humor. <laughs> it's not an audio show or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Physical humor. <laughs> Slapstick works great on, on podcast. Yeah, it's I still, always like it too. As long as we comment it on throws it, throws us back to the times of when we only had radio. Um, what are your thoughts on the opening here, uh, Richard? Yeah, what so kicks into gear. Yeah, so I think the cool thing about the opening of Star Wars, I was rewatching it uh, the other day, is like kind of that instant juxtaposition of kind of a starfight, a huge galaxy, you know, opening scene, and then uh, like almost a a caveman type planet right away. So you realize yeah. the scope and the range of this universe. Yeah. Right away, within the first couple minutes. Um, because of the interesting thing about, uh, what's that planet? Tatooine. Tatooine, yeah. I want to call it Naboo for some reason. That's a different planet. Is, is it? Yeah. Go, look at me. Um, Tatooine. The interesting thing about Tatooine is that it's so, um, with with the droids and with the kind of hover cars, it's so technologically advanced. But then it seems like, you know, weird, like Saudi Arabia. Like and, this is as worse as it gets, but yeah, it's still really cool. Right. And you're, during the Dark Ages or something. And yeah. I think that's kind of plays in. Like the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you know. That's such a genius. Yeah, when thing. you're a kid. When you're like, you, you get the sense that this has already happened. And it's all honestly to the detriment of the whole series because things that don't work narratively, like things no one would ever want to see on screen, mm-hmm. and it comes up a lot in the prequel trilogy, is. George is like, well, that's not how it happened. I mean, yeah. this is how it happened. Well, no, it didn't because you made it the entire thing up. <laughs> right, like, right. like all this has been written in history books, right. and like we're not yeah. we're not doing the story justice. <laughs> yeah, like, right. That's yeah. what, not what happened with uh, <laughs> Anakin. Just, he met Obi Wan here, you know. Like, uh, it doesn't work very well for the screen, but it does. You do get the sense like it's history and like it's been. Aged what if it's and, like. like a, and the new trilogy. That's my George Lucas impression. I like it. It's not bad. It's a little blummy. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> I like, I'd be curious in the this new one in, in Force Awakens if uh, it's just like a couple years ago in a galaxy far, because we're further along. <laughs> if now all of a sudden it's just like. This was, this was recent, guys. <laughs> yeah, just a couple, current day. Right yeah. before the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. It gives an air of a believability. But yeah, it. when you're a kid, that's the coolest thing ever. You're like, whoa, right. this is a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It kind of sets up this weird alternate world really, really well. And I think cutting from the vast space travel of the galaxy to a single kind of weird old planet is, it just, again, plays up that juxtaposition of the universe. It also, I, I like the escape of uh, R2 and C3PO. Actually, the shot of the escape pod shooting out of the yeah. ship is like my favorite shot in all of Star Wars. It's I don't know cool. why. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah it's very one cool. of the, This is shot in the original trailer of the pod shooting out. I love that. And um, we get them on the desert planet, and it's funny because our main character, most people would say, is Luke Skywalker. We don't meet him until 40 minutes into the movie right. on Tatooine. And so that's another little risky thing mm-hmm. to do uh, by George. Yeah. There. Yeah, a lot of risks taken that, and I think that's why everyone, Shoot, part of this stuff, part of the reasons why you, everybody was like, I don't know that this is going to work out. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a bold, it's a bold move. While we're on the uh, Star Destroyer at the beginning, we get a captured Princess Leia, and she's very British, and it really is kind of weird <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. She's doing this, 
I felt your smell stench when you were brought on board. Right. Yeah. Like she doesn't yeah. talk like that for the rest of the series. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of she's acting up the princess. Makes, I think that matters. It's almost like Carrie Fisher is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she's possible American <laughs> treasure, Carrie Fisher. Like, she was pretty awesomely crazy. Though. No, I agree. I'm pro crazy, especially in celebrities. Right. I think there was a hint of. Uh, influence of oh sure substance oh, totally, abuse yeah. there yeah. that no. night her her run in the 80s would go back to our dallas comic-con episode if you want to hear yeah. our full thoughts oh, on man. when we came across carrie fisher what a thing wait you guys went to comic-con okay <laughs> we did i know i missed it i was, that was good got chewed out by a doctor who i fun. did <laughs> i remember that's what the probably the pinnacle of our podcast yeah, radagast berated me with <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's a good story, though. Listen to How that. dare you ask him questions about <laughs> yeah. his career? I know. Yeah, after he agreed to speak to us. It's yeah. weird. It's very... At a Comic-Con. I mean, like, it's not like we're at a restaurant. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, the droids are actually my favorite part of Star Wars. There's a lot of people I, that feel that, that way. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited that they're a part of The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but I'm also kind of scared. Like, where do they fit in this? There's... Seems like there's a lot that we're gonna get at a two hour. I know. I don't get that either. How many characters? How many? How much? They just gonna drop in like a Christmas special? Like, hey, we open the door. (laughs) C three PO. Is it gonna be like to your closet? (laughs) It's gonna be like a lost world where the kids, oh kids, they come down (laughs) the stairs, they hug grandpa, and that's like their only time there in the movie from the previous one. Yeah, but. Interesting to see what they're going to do with the droids here because I hated how 3PO and R2 were used in the prequel. Tr- Not much R2, but I hated how 3- 3PO, 3PO was used in the yeah. in the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. It almost seemed pointless to have them in there. Yeah. They had to add a line in in Revenge of the Sith, and this is not a spoiler for them to say, all right, we're going to put them on uh, – we're going to give him to the Empire or give him to this rebel ship, but make sure he has his memory wiped before right. we do that. So make sure he remembers no, not right. knowing anything about Anakin or anything about uh, the original, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that Luke would be related to Leia or anything like right. that. Right, right. Um, because he was Padme's and Anakin's droid. Um, that That's a conversation for the prequel trilogy, but love the droids here. love how they start here, and I like how they come across Luke in Tatooine. Mm-hmm. That's sort of our introduction to Luke. And sort of, I guess, how things kind of work in mysterious ways. Things, people are brought together for mysterious... Like the fact that R2 is coming with a a, a message from his sister. It's kind of like one in a billion chance that they would ever even come across each other. Mm -hmm. That's never really been explored as far as a... The force, man. The fate of of humanity has never been really explored. It's more about the power of the force. Sure. Which... And this movie is very mysterious. Yes. And especially during this time when we're, we as an audience are just discovering the power of the Force. And uh, Luke sort of meets Ben here because he comes across a message from R2. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope from this princess. Oh, my gosh, who's, who's Obi-Wan Kenobi? But R2 really does kind of seem to remember things. I noticed in the prequel trilogy they, they say, make sure and have three PO's memory wipe. They don't really say much about R2. Right. It seems like R2 remembers all this and is yeah. like trying to get everybody, the band back together. Sure. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. I didn't really realize that until this last go-through because I've never really paid that much attention to the prequels. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's an element of he's kind of the, I don't know, he's he's the, the force in some ways that's bringing everything together in a way. So we're going to play a quick game later on, <laughs> by the way, where I'm just going to tease this. We're going to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score for every Star Wars film winner. Okay. That's a good idea. I really don't know. Well, how about we do that on every episode? Okay. That's a good idea. So what do you think 
the Rotten Tomatoes score is for Star Wars A New Hope? Mm, 94%. Okay. I'm going to go 83 For A New Hope. I will say one of you has it right on the head. Oh, wow. Star Wars A New Hope, 94%. Wow. That's way higher than I thought it would be. I'm sure a lot of as with Rotten because, Tomatoes, a lot of things later on. Kind right. Of, it's like what it's become. I'm, oddly, I'm only three stars later. on iTunes, though. Meanwhile, Revenge of the Sith is four stars. I would guarantee. It, Phantom Menace kids, is higher than a new hope. kids getting will, their parents' iPad and like. I will guarantee <laughs> you that a, if you go through and look at that, you'll see a bunch of one-star reviews from people who are pissed that it's the extended version like the extra yes. junk added instead yeah that's right they'll say th- it's like an amazon review yeah. that'll say this movies are great except that this version is terrible you know yeah, it'll be one star it'll be that kind of thing but the prequel trilogies are four stars <laughs> yeah, all of them Perfect. as close <laughs> to four really. as you can yeah. get almost five this is gonna yeah. be fun i'm excited to, to play this game with you guys later and our guest so we meet luke skywalker he's sort of the hero of the journey uh we follow him along like i said throughout the Second trilogy, or the original trilogy, um, and we, he sort of talks about the rebellion. All his friends are joining the rebellion. Right. How he's kind of this farmer boy who wants to be uh, further into that right. life than his friends. And there's a lot of deleted scenes. Brian. Right. I don't know if you've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's talking to Biggs. Biggs is friend. a big part of the it's original big... cut, and that's almost completely gone from. Explain what happens there in those scenes. Biggs is like his best friend yeah. that they've grown up together. Biggs goes off in the original cut, and in fact, when I was a kid, I had a a big like a eleven inch big storybook, <laughs> big <laughs> big uh. storybook that um, had some of the pictures of, of scenes with Biggs in it because it got cut before the before they right. put the movie out. Um, but he his best friend goes off to join the rebellion against the Empire, and he wants to go with him, but his uncle won't let him. And um, So there's a lot of scenes like that in the original script and some scenes that were shot. And instead, we kind of get... If you've never seen the... Ex- or before the extended editions come, came out, your introduction to Biggs comes within the last 20 or 30 minutes of the movie when they're both at the rebel base and his mm-hmm. buddy runs up to him and is talking to him and stuff. And it's, that's not a character. We don't really know who that is. We assume it's right. a friend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a cut called the lost cut. Uh, apparently you can go and it has that scene piece in there. Uh, there's a documentary I saw, I think it might be on the Blu-ray set where they talk about it. And George talks about those scenes, but uh, how sucky would it be to be bigs? Yeah. To have this yeah. basically 10 minute dialogue with Mark, uh, Hamill and for that right. to get cut out of the yeah. freaking original Star Wars movie, yeah. uh, what a what a little bad luck that is. Um, but it happened. So in that scene though, they talk more about Biggs is like, oh yeah, it's great, joining <laughs> yeah. the rebellion's awesome. Yeah, and he's like, man, I want to join. Right, right Lucas. Yeah. So uh, th- like I said, this all, the whole context is is R two D two going to Obi Wan. And like he seems to know where he lives, like he knows mm-hmm. where he's going. So that's the, that was my reason for that comment earlier, yeah. saying that. No, I think uh, you're right. We don't know. That's um, interesting. So Obi Wan meets Luke Skywalker, and this is also interesting because in the prequel trilogy, Obi Wan swears like, "Here, I'll take I'll take Luke to his aunt and uncle's house. I will make sure I'll look over yeah. him for the rest of his life or whatever. Make sure he turns into the person he's supposed to be." And it's basically Luke's first time meeting him. In the yeah, Hope. yeah. So he's, yeah. I'll drop him off twenty years <laughs> yeah. later. Come find me, right. you know, in the middle of the desert. Yeah, or he got a new relationship, Tuscan woman. And like the only you know, reason it's... he came by was because of the Tuscan Raider yeah. attack. 
there right. in the thing. Yeah. Why do you think he knew Luke was there? Yeah, I think there's an element of I think what you're supposed to believe anyway, having pieced all of it together with the six movies, is that he was kind of like watching over him from a distance, not uh. not being like actively involved in his life or anything but i was gonna come today in a full tuscan raider costume <laughs> but yeah i'm not that excited about this <laughs> that's one of my favorite characters yeah it's cool. really cool it's a great They're design really cool. man that's that's a it's a great design just like so many of these creatures and characters and ships and all that stuff from the original trilogy um is it looks it all looks so cool and uh and interesting, and they're so well put together practically, which is what makes it's one of it my so favorite good. sequences in this movie. Yeah, is uh, just R two going through the like caves and woods, like by himself with no score, mm-hmm. no music, and, and the, the Jawa Jawas, attacks, yeah. and that whole mm-hmm. chain of events from when they land on Tatooine to when they meet Luke or whatever is just a really fun yeah. time and classic. And mm-hmm. I don't know how George did it back then; so simple and. The practical yeah. effects in this movie are just <laughs> phenomenal. Like, I mean, this could, this is what set the tone for how you do special effects for the next 30 years. The subtlety maybe, 20, to it is 25 pretty, years, yeah. you know. Um, it made a huge difference. To be able to build the models small and, ha- I mean, it, it's pretty spectacular. If you're Even if you're not a big Star Wars fan, it's worth tracking down the documentaries on the, the making of it just to see how they did the special effects because it's that's this literally is this is what um, every movie every movie that really used special effects for the next twenty or twenty five years did what they invented essentially to do Star Wars. So we get uh, a scene with Luke and Ben, and uh, they play back the message, uh, the whole message of of Leia talking about we need your help. Uh, this all has happened with the rebellion, and um, they vow. Or actually, Obi Wan tells Luke about his who his father was, and this was his sword, and all mm-hmm. this uh, shows him the lightsaber. And then we go to the cantina when they say, "Okay, we need to go find Princess Leia." And yeah. uh, another iconic scene, maybe yeah. the most iconic scene from this movie, the one that's played back the most amount of times not really the events of the scene but just the setting of the scene Mm -hmm. has been played back a lot and it kind of harkens back to an old western yeah going into a saloon at an old western right yeah and there's all this weird cast of characters you know scattered throughout the uh the bar there the saloon yeah the uh the band is great Mm -hmm. of course the little Mm -hmm. song they're playing the john williams song that he writes for them is great uh a very controversial scene happens in here. We're, we're introduced to Han Solo for the first time, mm-hmm. and Chewbacca, and a controversial scene happens with him and Greedo. Brian, what do you? Why don't you talk about the controversy of this? And, yeah, and you checked our. You know, I think on. there's a lot of changes and and added scenes in the the original trilogy from the the edition that got released in the late '90s and uh, is the only thing that you can get on Blu-ray now. Is the and I'm I'm assuming digital too is the extended edition. There's a lot of changes that people get frustrated about. To me, there's only there's only two that I really care about. Everything else is just added stuff and doesn't really add anything to the movie, but it doesn't bother me either. One of them's in uh, Return of the Jedi, but this one. So in the original cut, and this this is what frustrates me the most is I I have friends who are now going back and watching these movies for the first time or the first time since they were kids right. to get ready for for the new film, and they don't know the difference between yeah. The original cut and the. the I'm watching only on my old VHSs. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I do have the I original know people trilogy like that on VHS. Too. Yeah. And it's the original yeah. cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Our friend the Jason, they put out a DVD cut maybe 2008 or 2009, I think, that had the, that was the original version. I think it was like um, earlier than that. I think it was. Well, like I think it was I right think, around the time the prequel trilogy wrapped up. There may have been one that, during that, too. Um, I have a DVD version that is extended because that was the one that was available at the time. And I haven't bought the Blu-rays because it's only extended. And I want someday I want the original cut. But um, anyway, the, the scene that, that gets most people most worked up in the original cut. Han Han sits down uh, across the table from a bounty hunter named Greedo, and he just blows the guy away. Just straight up just says, I'm going to murder this guy because he's going to stop me from doing what I need to do, and I'm done, and blows him up. Uh, Is that not in the new ones? In the original, and then in the new cut, uh, Greedo shoots at him, and he ducks out of the way and then shoots. Greedo shoots first. And it totally changes the entire character really it, it show it, that one little difference shifts who han solo is and makes most of us who are star wars nerds just furious because it, it does it changes who he is as a character i don't understand the logic there i've used the ch- to change that why that would be something that well, we would need to go back because they wanted to make it, more wanted to make it more family friendly and han less has violent. to be perfect yep. and have perfect morality it's the same as why well, why why would you change something so blatantly like obvious he, that I mean, you do change the movie. You, the entire well, story of the movie has changed. I, th- I would think Lucas would tell you because Lucas is the ultimate tinkerer. He just keeps like he doesn't. It's basically go. like saying he doesn't. Man. He doesn't cut off uh, Luke's hand or whatever. You know, right? Like, that's well, too gory but, for a family, no, so it's not in the movie. It's anymore, not. The, it's you know? it's the fact that it does make that character who he is, and I think Lucas didn't want that. Looking back on it, didn't want him to be. An outlaw who literally just murdered somebody um, to, to be able to move on with his his life or whatever, um, and it, it's the same as why Spielberg in the the ET cut that came out um, in Walkie the late nineties. They yeah they changed uh, what the the police are, in the original cut. The police, police are guns, carrying yeah. shotguns as the kids fly up in the air with ET. Spoiler alert. And uh, in the the next cut, he had them holding walkie talkies or flashlights. You, or but, like you have, you're not a South Park scholar, but they did a parody of oh, that, they? where like every director goes back through their films <laughs> and changes everything to walkie talkies, nice. and it's like Apocalypse Now, and nice. it's like <laughs> and, like all the blood and violence is still there. But That's the funny. difference, Brian, <laughs> is that Spielberg still. Gives you the original cut. Yes, that's absolutely it's like, right. Here it is. Blade Runner is the same way. Blade Runner. If you have, there's certain editions of Blade Runner that have literally five different versions of that film on the DVD or Blu-ray. But Ridley Scott still gives you the opportunity to watch the original cut. And I would say it doesn't change any character by uh, by having random policemen holding not a shotgun. You know, it doesn't change one of the most iconic, important characters. In film, let alone in this franchise, um, what are some of the? Uh, and Richard wants to go get our uh, one of our guests. We're gonna have somebody join us here in a second. But Brian, what are? Speaking of the special editions, mm-hmm. uh, did you go see them in the theater? Yeah, yeah. How stoked were you? So stoked for them. So stoked. Uh, how did you end up? Uh, I think I was. I think they came out in '97, so I was uh, 14, something like that, and uh, was incredibly stoked. And it didn't. I don't think any of the changes really bothered me at the time because I was 14. I didn't really care that much. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I was just excited to see Star Wars in a theater for the first time ever. And Same. So, yeah. And so I saw all three of those movies. I think I want to say they came out like three months apart or something like that. Um, I saw all three of them, loved it. It was great. And it wasn't until later in life that I realized, okay, this is kind of messed up by what we're what we're doing here the constant tinkering so at the time as a child or as a young person Mm -hmm. you saw the changes to the original trilogy as what um what were your thoughts then on i think did you notice the changes and yeah yeah you can definitely see the changes most of them in throughout the 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 original trilogy most of the changes are so innocuous that really it's all it is is a minor inconvenience that we're having to stop down for 10 seconds while some cgi monsters or creatures roll through the street you know things like that that aren't that big of a deal um the scene that's added with han and jabba which was an original idea that he had and they couldn't pull it off um, with the suit. The suit looked terrible for Job of the Hood. If you've ever seen the deleted scene for that, it's just a dude with makeup on essentially playing Job of the Hood. He's not the big slug. Uh, and Lucas decided it didn't look right, so he cut that scene. They added it back in with a digital CGI Job of the Hut, and that's a t- it's a, a it's a very bad scene, and B, it looks so out of place compared to most of the rest of the film. Uh, because you've just got this, you've got young Han Solo walking around with CGI, bad CGI job of the hut, and just looks really odd. Um, so I thought that was a strange. I think even at the time, I thought that doesn't look right. That looks very odd. Uh, but overall, beyond beyond Greedo shooting at Han first, I think that's most of the other things are just minor inconveniences and not that big of a deal. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. I think so too, and there are a lot of differences here. I yeah. You have a list, and some of them are not obvious. Some of them are ones you wouldn't even know unless I told them to you. Uh, audio, different audio from different takes is used to emphasize different words, I guess. Okay. Um, and things like that, I just don't understand why you would go back and try to, you know, it's it's, I, you know, like I said, he he's a tinkerer. I yes, guess, but he, I just don't understand. I think the this is a movie. Is, this isn't right. You don't go back to Dark Side of the Moon and be like, "Man, I really wish right. that part had uh, more keyboards on that part." And but go back and do. He doesn't see it that way. I think. I think he always saw it as these films were not exactly what he had wanted and wasn't what he had in mind when he put it all together. And as a result, now he has the technology and the means to be able to go back and, and change it. And that, you know, why? I, I think in his mind, he says. 
well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I go back and, and change this if I can? You know, if I have the opportunity, why wouldn't I change these things? Yeah, no, I agree. If it's imperfect, to, I think that's the deal. It was imperfect to him, and he thought, "Here's how I can make it perfect." And then, fortunately, the things that he thought would make it perfect are the things that we all dislike as fans of the franchise. One of our guests is here. I see him. Come on in here. I don't know why. I wonder, we got him in the green room. Not allowed to be on the show. <laughs> well, I didn't know if he wanted to come in. If he wanted he the segment to be on by the show. I didn't okay. know if he wanted to do it by... Uh... I want to get his thoughts on these changes to the original okay. Star Wars. Fine with me. Uh, I know he's going to have some hot takes on this. Come on in here. Or you brought some, star, some Swedish fish for us. <laughs> and I did. The Breakfast of Champions. Nice. Hey, what's up? What's going on, guys? How are you? This is Matt. Uh, hey, Matt I'm is, Brian. Is, hey, Matt, good to meet you. Too. It's a friend of the show. Friend mm-hmm. of Richard and I's old uh, radio, radio show. show. Filled in for Richard a couple times when he wasn't there. Did a much better job, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're planning on having him on again for Force Awakens, or well, at least one of those talks. But uh, we're talking right now, Matt, about the changes to the original trilogy and the special editions. But do you have any hot takes on that? I mean, not a fan in general. I went and rewatched everything again. Uh, a couple days ago, it just it seems really forced, and yeah. kind of what, like the most thing I'm excited about for this new series is the technology and the I mean the uh, CGI is so good, right? And they did it kind of at like the cusp of it's looking good, but it's not real yet, and so you still feel like they just edited a film that was great, in my opinion. Sure, yeah, yeah. I a lot of the stuff, the most ang- the, the thing that makes me anger the most in this was the like the creature, the elephant creature that yeah. walks yep. by yeah. in front of the camera and, and tattooing. It just looks so out of place. There's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no. If that was shot for real, like they were shooting, okay, now the speeder comes through. Oh, now there's a giant elephant walking in the way. Cut, <laughs> cut. You know, they would never use that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Why is a CGI yeah. version of it okay? I know. And it obstructs your view. I don't understand what that does for the. For the viewer, just I don't, got a tinker, no man. advantage. Just got a tinker. I understand tinkering if you no, it, I'm change not saying it in a right. positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that in his brain, I think he had this vision of, and now we'll see these creatures walking through the street, and then he couldn't do it when they shot the movie in 1976, you know, and said, okay, now's my opportunity. I can add this weird elephant creature to the middle, and it won't look That's good at all. It's my favorite part. Because... <laughs> <laughs> you know the name of those creatures, Bob. Richard? You know the exact... No, I don't no, know. I don't. <laughs> no. Elephant things? Oh, big, big, bulbous blob? I don't, I don't know the name. Where are we in the story here now, though? Uh, I, I think they're the, about to... The Falcon leaves yeah. uh, Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. do we go from here? Head off to space. They got to find. They got to get to Alder, Alderaan, right? And that's get there. It's blown up. That's an interesting. It's a cool sequence. The way that With the they, asteroid field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the asteroid field, and Kenobi is. You know, that's it's gone. It's like he feels the you know the presence of all these people dying and all that stuff, and it's a. It's a very interesting way to do that. Alan Guinness, by the way. Give it up. Big shout. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. I don't know. British treasure. Not a fan? No, I like him. He's good. He did did sour himself on the whole experience, though. He came back around. He's the biggest negative. Yeah. He was the biggest negative. He came back around. I think he realized later on. But, I mean, that guy's, like, very classically trained, incredible actor, and now he's taking direction from someone who's not a good director. We I think we know For actors, yeah. Uh, and uh, there's going to be an elephant filming in this, this weird thing in space, <laughs> and just thinking, "What am I doing? Why am I here?" Just yeah. imagine an elephant thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't really talked much. I played Hamlet. We haven't yeah. talked I about the uh, Kwai, and now I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> the villain, Darth Vader. We haven't even mentioned him. I don't think. Um, 
so far. He's he's, I mean, villain subjective, really hero. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because I like I'm an Empire guy. Empire's so much cooler than the Rebels yeah. in almost every way. Yeah. So you're also a Trump voter. So. <laughs> no, I'm not a Trump voter. <laughs> For the record, I know that. I'm, well, yeah, I'm not, so, and uh, I don't intend on being one, dude. But Darth Vader, man, coolest villain of all time. Yeah, maybe I think so. Yes, I think so. It seems like a short list because there are so many like unmemorable. Right. I mean, well, Michael Caine, and now you see me. I was gonna say that's exactly what I was gonna say, but I couldn't think of his Arguably name. Mark Ruffalo is the villain uh, until the end. We know the true meaning yeah. of yeah. the Four Horsemen. Sonny uh, Weaver's really, mom's pretty bad too. But or, Brian, you collect a lot of uh-huh. Star Wars. Arthur Tressler is the uh, his name. They see me. Is don't blink when you're on Is Darth camera. Vader somebody that you? Collect a lot. I, I notice a lot of Darth Vader stuff out there. My, he's yeah, become the biggest. Deal yeah, I think he's one of the three or four biggest uh, merchandise characters out there for sure. My son went as Darth Vader for for Halloween this year. He <laughs> really? Loves Darth Vader. Look, I've got yeah. a tacky Christmas sweater this year. That's Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think he's a, he's an iconic villain. He's one of the best villains in a movie that you're ever gonna see. Um, he is, and and you know, in the first film. There's no second layer to him. He's just menacing and terrifying and, you know, the, the breathing and uh, choking out one of his I have his a Salacious Crumb um, Tacky Christmas sweater. <laughs> that's my whole back tattoo, actually. My whole that's my favorite character uh, <laughs> in the whole universe, by the way. Groovy <laughs> <laughs> laugh. Uh, your thoughts on Salacious Crumb. Yeah. Yeah. Turn of the Jedi. Turn of the Jedi. Um, I got about 40 minutes. <laughs> By the way, just, who voiced Salacious Crumb? Gotta be Henson or. Uh, gotta be like the sound guy or something. Ed Asner. <laughs> Piece of yeah. trivia there. Um, so funny. Yeah, but, there's something to the fact that. Oh, wait, never mind. No expo- he, he voiced Jabba the Hutt. Pardon me. There's no, absolutely no exposition. Uh, Given for Darth Vader mm-hmm. in the first, there's film. no layers to him. The first go around, you, you're just it's like oh, there's just scary music, and there's a guy terrifying all, dressed menace. in all black. Yeah, he seems yeah. scary. You know, so. he's yeah, he's he's dressed in all black. He's got the cool lightsaber. He's not above choking out his own dude. Um, it, there's a lot of that guy is just a he's a bad dude, and and you're right. There's no exposition to that, and that's kind of that's part of what makes him awesome. I that's think that's a lot of what makes him awesome. Yeah. I see. I see. They've copied the formula for Kylo Ren in the new right. movie. Right. Just kind of a guy with a red lightsaber and mm-hmm. dresses all in black, yeah. so he's pretty scary. Right. And Lucas tried to do that with Darth Maul, and it, it, it didn't work, but partly because of... Because they killed him in the well, and first freaking awful script. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you, I think Darth Maul is a cool villain. Darth Maul is a great villain, and he's in the movies for like 12 minutes, mm-hmm. and then he's gone forever, and... Can you guys imagine seeing uh, Darth Vader? I mean, imagine you just walked into this movie, the premiere's opening, you have no idea what this, what you're going to expect, yeah. and all of a sudden, Darth yeah. Vader appears. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. I would have been, Unlike anything you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have been scared. I think I was scared when I saw him the first, for yeah. the first time. Yeah, sure. When he was choking people. Yeah, things. I mean, I was, as a kid, I was, I don't know that I was scared, but I was full team... Uh, team rebellion. Like I, I was not one of those. I was not one of the, uh, the. Oh yeah, the bad guys are really cool. I was like that guy's. He might kill me. He might kill me. I just got. I got to be careful around him. But, but my son is not that way. I don't know if that says horrible things about me as a. Parent, I have an interesting. You might know this, Brian. Uh, 
what are are people humans from Earth? That's never been talked about because when Vader blows up Alderaan, Princess Leia says, and you call yourselves humans. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think that it's ever established that they're from Earth. I think they're just. Human is a galactic thing. But maybe, have you ever seen Battlestar Galactica? Maybe it's, if we keep going this direction, maybe that's where they head. I don't know. But I don't know that there's any uh, quote-unquote Earth. I I noticed they use the word human multiple times in here. He's a force-sensitive human, is Luke's uh, uh, species. Gotcha. Force-sensitive human. They're different than (laughs) us regular humans. Speak for yourself. True. What else we got here? We got, I guess, the last thing would be the closing scene or the right. X-wing attack on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. That's really all there is left. That's a great about. scene. I, it's a, it's done so well on the on the shot. Sec, I mean the the way they shot that and the the special effects of it all. Um, and it's, I think it's it really show. I think that is one sequence where. Lucas and company got really right on the scripting of showing just how small um, the rebellion is compared to the Empire. Not just Death Star versus Tiny X-Wing, but the you know pretty much everybody who's fighting for the rebellion is just like camped out on this moon and like hoping that the Death Star doesn't show up and before they can get to it. And the fact that the um, that the Empire thought so lowly of them that they. You know, they basically have like a major weakness in their huge Death Star, and they're just like, eh, whatever, it's fine. They can't do anything about it. Um, I think kind of shows the the vast difference between those two those two groups, and uh, and does it's it's a I don't know that it was intended to be this way because we we talked about earlier that I think Lucas and everybody else expected this to be a bust, but um, the rebellion, if the Death Star creeps around that planet and blasts that moon. The rebellion's over. Them killing the Death Star, there's still hundreds and hundreds of Star Destroyers out there. And so it's just one big step in the process. Um, and that's set up so well. That's like, I don't know, if you, if you guys ever play pool, that's like knocking in one ball and leaving the ball so that you can hit your, your mm-hmm. next one. Um, I think that's done intentionally, but with full knowledge of we're probably never going to get to shoot this second movie. So, but <laughs> Just what? side note, that out Matt there. and I played pool like two months ago and I killed him. <laughs> I did. <laughs> we opening missed, up the wounds. <laughs> we skipped over a big uh, sequence um, when they oh, go yeah. on to the actual Death Star uh-huh. and they're dressed as stormtroopers and they're right. running around. Oh, oh yeah. So great. Yeah. Luke's hair is so perfect when they get there. <laughs> <laughs> you notice that when he gets yeah. wet? Yeah. I wish my hair looked like that when I got <laughs> to swamp trash yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> That's called Dallas. Um, uh, That's one of the more, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's one of the more character or relationship building mm-hmm. sections of the movie. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of comic relief when they're. Right. Uh, when Han is saying, uh, all good here, things yeah. are clear. Negative, negative. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm fine, how are you? And, all that stuff. Right. and then yeah. he just shoots the, uh, mm-hmm. shoots the control panel, funny. Yeah, good. it's a very, it, that's like a 20 or 30 minute sequence, and it's very organic in the way that, it, it's shocking to me having just watched the prequels that the same guy could have written that script, because it's such an organic sequence of developing character, and all of them, all the character, all the main characters get a moment where you really see who they are as characters and as people, and it's very it flows very naturally, and uh, there's no real there's no like 
unnecessary exposition or anything like that. You just get a sense for, okay, this is who Han is. This is who Luke is. And uh, Han is much more fun than Luke is. But, you know, it's it's really well done. And that gets so muddled by the time we get into episode one and two and three. And <laughs> I mean, even R2-D2 saves a day. And yeah, the thing. totally. Like, yeah. yeah, They all have their, their place in the, the cast, I guess, um, both – yeah, in, in in the story uh, and off screen as well. Simultaneously, we're getting a uh, fight between Vader and Obi Wan. Yeah, a lot of people will tend to harass this scene or point out this scene as one of the weak points in the uh, series. But I think it's a good fight. Why is that? I guess I don't know that because it's that. two old dudes like barely. <laughs> Yeah, there's not any like really spinning and there's jumping no back around flipping. like you get. There's yeah. no backflip. There's not one backflip. <laughs> not one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, one. not one. What a letdown! Gosh, if you've seen so the prequels, you know there's yeah. got to be multiple backflips yeah. per, per character, <laughs> per fight. Yeah, that was a requirement. Yeah, um, yeah. Very, very old school fight there. Yeah, and with Obi Wan sacrificing himself, which as a kid infuriated me. Like I couldn't. You know, even having seen the movie a hundred thousand times, I was just like, "Why? Why does he do it? He could have taken it." <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's uh, there's a lot of depth to that. Mm-hmm. We spend like seven hours in the prequel jewelry talking right. about what that yeah. fight meant. Yeah, <laughs> gosh. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> do you feel like it's such a throwaway scene in the original trilogy in this movie? Like it's kind of just like a right, like it's an undercard fox sure. boxing match, yeah. and then when you watch the original trilogy, you're like, well, really, the whole mo- the whole series is kind of building to that fight, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, exactly, doesn't really fit together. Yeah, let's swing these handles twice, and there we go. It's like I watched six hours that fight. It really is like watching any UFC fight. Yeah, six hours of build up, and then just like, good point. It's a very good point. Uh, what do we have left? That I guess just the final sequence of Luke tearing down through the the alley of the Death Star and mm-hmm. and uh, an old Han Solo coming to save the day and and very smartly taking Vader out of the Death Star and putting him in a Tie Fighter. Uh, I disagree. Like, wouldn't if you're going to blow up the Death Star, wouldn't you want to make sure that Vader's like in there? So that oh, I'm dies? saying from a story writing <laughs> okay. standpoint, yeah, very smart to pull him out of that so we don't have to have some kind of weird way to. Oh, somehow he survived. <laughs> Every single other person died, but the Force <laughs> kept him alive. But no, him spinning off into into space is uh, a much more a better way to uh, bring him back into the story the next go around. I completely agree, and I, I wish the Millennium Falcon had a bigger role in destroying the Death Star, and it wasn't just some yeah some, uh, yeah. But that's cool. That, I think that's that fit that character a little more because it's almost it's almost like a begrudging coming back to all right. I guess I got to go do the right thing here, even though you know I'm a outlaw i just murdered a dude if you watch the original <laughs> is trilogy. uh and is the falcon the coolest spaceship of all time on screen uh, yeah is definitely not firefly yeah. or serenity serenity or- looks cool but um william falcon the stuff that it's able to do just the way it moves and the look of it as it as it goes through space is just so cool so cool i agree we'll all the all i should say because we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later when we get into the prequels but the the craft design the spaceships and stuff like that is so cool and um, i think they call it i think it's called craft services <laughs> craft <laughs> sure. and it's weird because a sure. lot of movies have it, it yeah. but yeah. then you, just, you never even they don't see even it. see the spaceship yeah. so weird. like 
Because um, I was watching Failure to Launch the other day, yeah. <laughs> and it said Craft Services. Oh, I was watching end. Bride Wars. Yeah. Awesome. I was watching those, and it said Craft Services, and I was like, well, very, very few spaceships in this. Yeah. Very misleading title, too. Must Failure to Launch. You'd think there'd be a lot of... I think exactly. there'd be a lot of spaceships yeah, in that. that was absolutely one not. star, one, two stars, <laughs> two stars. Um, but no, the, the the spaceships look so cool. the The design of all, of pretty much everything, the creatures. There's not a ton of creatures in this movie that are in the original cut, but the creature design, the spaceships, the way all that okay. stuff is done, is so. It's so well done because it had to be practical. That's the thing. Like everything had to. You had to be able to build that thing, the X-Wing or the whatever you're talking about, and make it look cool. And the fact that it's all – it looks like almost everything in this entire universe has like a layer of dust and dirt on it. Mm. It makes it – it yeah. gives it weight and it makes it seem much more real and practical than it very easily could and, have and does in the prequels. Nothing in the prequels looks practical. It's all just looks so shiny and new. Yeah. And it really takes away some of the elements that make this part of that's intentional. Like the coolest thing about the prequel trilogy in relation to this movie is that dust on everything does kind of suggest a story we don't know yet right. or like totally. a previous world we don't know yet. <laughs> that's not how it happened. And then, uh, <laughs> yes. And then the prequel tri- or yeah, prequel trilogy now is like, oh, look, everything's shiny and new. This is how it was, you know. Um, so I do kind of like, I get the thought process behind it, Brian, but you, it does remove any sense of soul yeah, yeah. from those one if through you three. Did the exact, I don't want to get too far prequels, but if you did the same thing in the pre, if you made them new and shiny, but they were real, yeah. then mm-hmm. it then you at least have that, it sure. balances out, you know? I mean, the thing to me is it almost seems like the growing pains you th- you would think to take to make something that yes. good, it's like already has taken place. You got right. Jar Jar Binks is throwaway. I mean, now it's like the polish. Jar Jar Binks was in Growing Pains? <laughs> no, it was just Leo. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. But it's just that good. I mean, yeah. it's polished, yeah. Well, I guess that wraps it up for episode four. A New Hope. There are specific thoughts on a lot of those specific scenes. A lot of it will probably come up later. But uh, until then, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden or at richardbarden.com. Kent. You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. And Matt, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at, at Matt Wetrich. Okay. Uh, stay tuned next. For... What about LinkedIn? Where do I find you on LinkedIn? <laughs> you can't find me on LinkedIn. I'm in stealth mode. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you next time and uh, in a few, I guess, days for our next Star Wars episode. Yeah. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.